Welcome to DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today, uh, we're joined by Alex Perus. He is the founder of Linkfluencer. Um, they are effectively helping people with their online or LinkedIn marketing campaigns and have built a product as well uh, to help people get better at uh, how they sell online and through LinkedIn uh, specifically. Alex, thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks for having me. First person I got my name right. Yeah, you've told me about three times before we started recording, so that helps. <laughs> Nothing to hide here. We're pretty yeah, very transparent. <laughs> Love it. So, Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your history, and um, how the business really came about. Uh, so, base. Long story short, um, I started my entrepreneurial journey at the age of thirteen. Um, one in, uh, how old are you guys? You guys are in your mid thirties. Mid thirties. Okay. Yeah. So, do you know the Atari? You remember the Atari? Yeah, I yeah, remember okay, the Atari. Okay. <laughs> oh, you, lot, you had an Atari. I didn't oh, have okay. one, but I remember it. Yeah, okay. I remember it back then. Yeah. So, um, we, w- I really wanted one. My parents couldn't afford one. I hounded them for six months every day and then realized that wasn't working. The first day that I went back to school after I stopped asking them, the principal announced that they were running a competition for the kid who raises the most amount of money for charity would win this Atari. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> Opportunity for you. <laughs> right. And so I was never very good academically, um, but uh, great people person. The kids, the teachers hated me, but the kids loved me. Um, so I knew a Persian guy, because that's my background, who owned, who managed uh, Franklin's, which is like a version of I, um, IGA. IGA, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, they got bought out by IGA. Yeah, they did. I believe yeah, I remember so, yeah. this. So I went to him and said, look, Surely you've got, can you give me some, you know, chocolates or chips or something? Um, it's for charity. He said, look, yeah, we do have chocolate that's going out of date. Um, so he passed that on to me and gave me a couple hundred dollars worth, which back then is probably worth about four or five grand. And so I, w- I then got introduced to two other Franklins, combined all the chocolates, and I went and sold it at school and door to door. Won the Atari because I raised the most amount of money for charity, and that's how my entrepreneurial journey started. So, <laughs> I love it. so you learned it to sell very early. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, I got the bug. So then I quit halfway through 11. First four businesses didn't go as well as that one at age 13. I lost a lot of money and then got a mentor on board. He really helped me understand what I needed to do to be successful. Um, I was chasing money, and he said, chase legacy, listen to him. Fifth and sixth business did well, exited those. And then the seventh business, I started an advisory firm. And that's how LinkFluencer was started because I started using LinkedIn to get into the media, got featured in a lot of publications um, and built that advisory firm to four full-time advisors within six months, all through LinkedIn. And a lot of people started asking me how, realized there's actually a method behind the madness, so to speak. And uh, that's where the mission started. Um, and then, yeah, that was eight and a half years ago. Yeah, so it's evolved pretty quickly at the time, but also has been a lot of um, time since then. So the business started eight and a half years ago as a consulting business, but it's it's, it's evolved and changed. I've seen that through LinkedIn. Uh, you now have a product behind it. Um, and so tell us about how the steps of the process and the evolution of the business sort of came about. So started off as an online program. So our core IP, we put into a three-step um, program online. 
we had a couple of thousand people go through it and the feedback that we continued getting is, well, that's all good and well, but we need some sort of community and some mentoring to help us um, with implementing uh, the, the program. So we did that. We set up 12-month masterminds. Again, two years down the track, the feedback that we continued to get was, can you just do it for us? And so we ran a managed services side of the business ran that for a couple of years, had a couple hundred clients go through it. And we, at this point, we understood the real challenge. The first challenge is most people don't have a strategy. The ones who do and get a lot of conversations going, they can't manage those opportunities um, because conversations get lost in their inbox. There's, it is challenging, right? isn't it? It, is, yeah. <laughs> it just never ends. And it's yeah. clunky. Then you've got to you know, put people into unread or drafts. You're using spreadsheets. You're using you know, poster notes, all sorts of stuff. So we realized it's not just strategy that people have issues with, it's actually management. And then at the same time, we were constantly thinking, other than feedback from clients, how can we scale? How can we reach the masses and really make a big impact? And then that's how Jayla was born. So Jayla, um, obviously it's it's a SaaS model. Uh, it's a SaaS play that's solving some of these problems that you found through the journey of business. I find it quite intriguing how people evolve their business models as they go. Uh, I think people just um, assume that I jump into a business going to be the same in 10 years that it is today, but it never is that way. It always is evolving. And if you're going to be a good business owner and serving your customers, you need to listen to them. I think you've done really well from there. Um, so Jayla, when was the time of the, the idea, the concept, and then how long did it take you to actually flesh through and begin that process and get to where you are today? So we're in Docklands. Um, we're having Nando's, me and my business partner. I remember this like vividly. And we're sitting there and he said, I've got an idea on how we can scale. I said, okay, um, tell me about it. He said, all right, wouldn't it be awesome if we had a software that helped people formulate the strategy, but then um, which is our online program, our core product um, or methodology. And then what if we also created options where people had automated reminders? So let's say me and you, Andrew, were in a conversation. I add you as an opportunity. Jayla, I put in, I want to follow you up in three days. Then you come into Jayla and he actually tells you in chronological order who you have to follow up based on the opportunities purely for LinkedIn. So I said, oh, geez, that'd be cool because then you get rid of spreadsheets. You, you no longer waste all this time trying to manage it all manually. And then he said, you know what else is missing? A CRM. So what do you mean CRM? Everyone's got a CRM. No, no, no. CRM specifically for sales opportunities on LinkedIn. So you can see, hey, I've got a hundred opportunities I've opened up and here are the different stages everyone's in. So then they can progress along. I said, Okay, can we do that? Uh, you know, I'm not a very um, – Can we do right? that? <laughs> can we do it? Should we do it? How do we do it? It's probably the questions that we need to be asking. Correct. But yeah. And he said, yeah, we can do it. And we can probably do it in a way where let's say I'm, where, let's say I'm going to Sydney. I want to know my opportunities on LinkedIn that are in Sydney that I have to follow up over the next two weeks and the deal value is between 10 to 20 grand and the likely of that deal is pretty high. Can we create, you know, metrics that I can then do a quick search? Then I can get in contact with those guys, say, Hey, look, I'm coming up. You want to meet, have coffee, whatever. He said, yeah. Then we got excited because we thought, all right, geez, if we can do that, 
that in itself is valuable, um, let alone the automated reminders. Then I think the big thing we realize from a lot of the feedback from clients is that with social media, you don't like LinkedIn, Facebook don't really tell you, Hey, you know, you've spent X amount of time. This is what you're generating in return. That's a problem because. Yeah. They, they don't want you to know how much time you're spending on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. They want you on there all day. And, yeah. Good luck with the return. And before yeah. you know it, you've spent 20 hours and you don't even know whether you've generated any leads because it's all over the shop and you don't actually even know the strategy you put in place. It's not set and forget. You've got to constantly look at it and refine it, but you can't track what you don't measure. So then we created a reporting area where it tells you, Hey, Andrew, you've sent a hundred invites, 40 people have accepted. That's a 40% acceptance rate. And then we tell people whether that's good or not. It tells you how many leads you've got, how many hours you've spent. So you can go, actually, it's not bad. I've spent four hours and I've got 15 active leads. That's pretty good. That's good. Yeah. Good return on that, isn't it? Um, but if you've Mm. equally like on the flip side, if you spent 20 hours and got two leads, you're just not being efficient. Um, or maybe you're saying something in your messages that is not. That's yeah, not resonating. Yeah, so, correct. You know, long story short, that's sort of how the idea came about. And then from there was about flushing it out, looking at the technology side. Who can we get to build it? Um, is this, you know, are these features that people want? And so we ran that past our clients. And I, I gotta say, I think it, I've learned. I'm not a big fan of listening purely to your customers because I think to some degree you also need to venture out into the unknown because, cl- yeah. Yeah. Oh, They know the way they currently do things, not a better way potentially or Correct. another way. And if you're doing something that's – look, I wouldn't say that, you know, we're a Tesla. It's like, yeah, we're not that groundbreaking. You know, we haven't created solar for – like we haven't gone to the moon and back, you get what I mean? But it's still groundbreaking for LinkedIn. So I guess, you know, if you're doing something groundbreaking, you sort of can't ask your clients who've never really sort of spent that much time on LinkedIn to give you guidance. But to some degree, you need to listen to them. I think it can sort of, for solutions, it's hard to get them in that world. It's more the Correct. problems, what's yes. the frustrations. Yep. You can dig in on those to understand how big the frustrations are, to see how big this market really is, know, what yeah. the opportunity looks like. And you had a core base of customers too, which makes it a lot easier to actually question yeah. and query. And yeah, they can help you nothing. figure out which problem yeah. to solve yeah. first out mm-hmm. of all the pain points. What's the biggest one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so the journey of what was the first step? So you had the idea, you carved out, this is what we might do, builds, this is the plan. Did you document it out? Did you speak to customers? What did you do first? First step was get, we, we had to get into the right mindset because I've gone through a lot of, you know, I've used a lot of products. I think the challenge that a lot of products face in today's marketplace where people need instant gratification, people's attention spam is next to nothing, yeah, you know, they're not patient um, and they just want something simple. So our mindset was we're going to create something simple, um, but the core functionality is going to be high value. But at the same time, we want to create an experience, not a product. And I think that's been the game changer for us. Look, it's only been about a week, week and a half, but the feedback is this is the most simple thing I've ever used 
And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can get into this mindset, oh, if it's too simple, it's not valuable and, you know, people think it's not worth it. Yeah. The value is the simplicity. Because to distill it to that level or even to develop a product that should be extremely simple, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that Correct. no one ever notices. When, we, when we, do, we were doing stuff for clients, it's like, can you add a button here that does something? But they don't understand all that work involved. They're like, oh, the button's in the wrong spot. <laughs> You're like, oh, geez. This is out of scope. Out of scope. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I think you've heard, heard that word that. before. Yeah. <laughs> Let's dig into that. That brings up bad memories. <laughs> that brings up bad memories. Yeah, that's that's, that's one of the yeah, one of the yeah, statements yeah. people don't like to hear. But yeah, sorry. So you start, start, and it's just launched, which is yeah. So we just launched about a week and a half, two weeks ago, right? So I think it's good timing, and we'll, we'll release this episode out pretty quickly <laughs> for you because I think it's good time to get it yeah. while the iron's hot. So, um, in terms of um, initial feedback, how many people do you have engaging? Is it just core customers, or do you actually launch it to the masses? Everyone can grab it because I've seen it online. Um, went to a, like we created a waiting list. That's probably the next piece of advice that I would give to anyone launching a software. First, keep it simple. How do we create an experience, not a product? Third of all, go and get, I did a post about this on LinkedIn actually, go and get a waiting list developed. Don't wait for your product. Go and speak about it. Um, like we didn't even have a video. All, all, I, all we had is just um, like what we knew about the product couldn't show any imagery, nothing, because we wanted to keep it a bit, um, uh, a bit sort of um, mysterious in a way. But at the same time, we wanted to tell people what it did. So we just started talking about it, and then we developed this waiting list of a couple of thousand people over the course of um, a few months, and you know we had a good launch. So uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. I, I love that because. Um, the amount of NDAs that hit my table about the products that want to be developed. Uh, it's, it's crazy how people think that their idea is the only idea and they're the only person who's ever had this in the world. Um, and they want to protect it. And protecting it means you do not get the, the feedback from the community. You do not get any buy-in. Um, and then you have to launch day zero. No customers, no feedback. Good luck. Yeah, that's that's the reality that people. If you're it. asking for an NDA, mm. you're yeah. very green. Mm. Yeah, that's but, sign of immaturity. Mm. Yeah, because people, I don't know, people are just fearful that someone's going to steal their idea. But the reality is, there's so much work needs to go into these things. And I think, sure, you can attest to the amount of hours and time and thinking about the product that's happened. Um, how long have you been building it for to get to this point? Yeah, we started because we had the agency as well. So we probably full-time uh, dedicating, focusing a lot of effort. I would say probably June last year, June last year, about a year. Yeah, yeah. so it's been about a year to get it to where it is today. And that's just full-time. But In pre- July that, when did 2019. Yeah, so a year so before. It's two yeah. years to get to today, effectively. Yeah, so it does take time. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. People think that um, these things take five minutes, and that's what an NDA just tell. When I see it, that's like, oh. the only time you see shortcut. The only time there's shortcut, there's a shortcut to success is in a dictionary. There's no shortcut, right? Shortcut is before success. Um, yeah, um, I think even like with uh, even if someone knew our idea, they're just ninety nine point nine percent of the population suck at execution because they're, they're, they're going after an idea that's going to 
being built into a billion dollar business within six months. And when it doesn't happen, they'll run after the next idea and then the next one. So I think I like where you've come from. You've got that level of expertise. And this is the, the type of founders I see that they get somewhere. They've invested in a business. They've invested in themselves. They understand their market. They get it. They've got that domain expertise and they're willing to see it through no matter how long it takes. Um, that is when the magic really happens because it doesn't happen overnight. As you would know, you're not at this point and you're only at this point two years from product, but it's been eight years to get to today, not two years, because the product idea came from the, all the learnings and the lessons pre that, which is six years of gathering information. Um, and people don't see that from the outside looking in. And um, that's probably the biggest takeaway I see from people that really get somewhere. There's that much years of investment before they get to product. So they don't get with the NDA either. You can't just take their idea and build it. You don't have the mm. domain expert. You don't have all that knowledge built up yeah. over time to better take it away. If I build Jailer, it's going to be my version of it, which is going to be inconsequential compared to what your knowledge is going to bring to it and turn it into. Mm-hmm. So in terms of building the products, team, technology, how did you approach that? Um, being a non-tech um, on the podcast, how did you approach that process? So my business partner, Mark Meadow, um, he has launched a software um business before and did well and sold that off. So having him by my side uh, definitely helps um, because he understood what needed to happen from a build perspective to get us there. Um, Then we had to make a choice. Do we go and outsource this uh, or do we build internally? And ultimately, just to get it to market, we've decided to just outsource it. Um, Just easier when we looked at all the different options and the timeframes. Um, so I guess you, we just whiteboarded it. We sat down, we said, okay, what do we need to do to make this happen? Cool. Well, this is who we need. Um, but then whilst we're getting this developed, who, what do we need to do once it's developed so that we're not looking after tickets and, you know, handling customer inquiries? Okay. Let's train up. Let's make sure one of our team members within the agency is across the entire build, every phone call, every conversation, so that when, uh, like now Jira, um, with the support area, she just handles all the tickets and we don't even have to think about it, which is very time, it can be very time consuming. And the last thing you want to be doing is like, I, I, I get a little nigged out when I'm doing admin related sort of tasks. So, you know, from, um, emotionally, you want to feel good too when you, when you're running a business. So, I don't want to look after tasks that I shouldn't um, and that are product, unproductive um, as a founder. So, yeah, so we looked at who, who needs to build it, what people do we need to put in place after. Okay, we need an ad agency. All right, let's reach out to him and talk to him and get that um, set up in line with the launch. Um, let's get Jira looking after customer service. Let's have someone else in the team looking after the data, um, What's my role going to be when we launch? What's your role, Mark? Okay, I'm going to look after marketing. You go after the corporate market. Um, so, yeah, I think you just got to whiteboard and then, you know, look at all the different aspects of the business, not just the build. I think that's easy. You said it, hit the nail on the head there. The way you've described that is you're looking at this as a business entity, as a, as a whole end-to-end solution, not 
here's a product, go and buy it, um, which is what a lot of people can do. They build a product and let them come. Um, but you're setting up your, yeah, you're setting up yourself and looking at all the angles and how the thing's going to actually operate because effectively it is a business now. This is a, this is a tool that allows you to deliver uh, value to your customers. But that's, that's what it is. It's a tool that allows you to do the value. But without the supporting activity and the marketing and the operations and the people behind it, the tool is just a tool that will die itself off if it's not supported and maintained and evolved. So I think I, that's really good, good definition for anyone out there that's listening. Think of it, it's a business model. Your product is the only, the product you develop is the way you actually deliver value. That's all it is. Uh, everything else has to be around it. Yeah, before it was a service. Now it's a product that delivers not the exact same value, but like delivers value at a mass level, which we just didn't have the opportunity to do. That's a thing. It's a different market too, isn't it? Oh, that we're realizing that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely a different market. So that's something that I would take away from that. Yeah, when you're doing things for people, um, very different. They've got different budgets, different mind frames, different everything. Maybe they don't want to be a part of it. Whereas this product here is more targeted to the person that's going to do it themselves. So very different people, very different market. How have you approached that? Because I find that quite interesting. Um, I think I've approached it in a way. So I think to when we had the online program when we were just a training organization when we initially started they like it's not the same as the software but they had access to the online program they had to do it themselves so we understand because of that experience yeah we understand how to now communicate with them i think the ads are all about like all our communication is all about saving time um you know closing business um being more efficient uh which is what's really the underlying issues that we're solving through the features. So we can sit here and go, automated reminders, this is unbelievable, groundbreaking, no one really cares um, unless that's solving a problem. So we, because we know the problems and had the experience, we're able to communicate well with them. You're, you're clear on what the objectives are, which is a lot of people sometimes build things and then try and find the problem to fit it in. I know, I know. Which is... Yeah, not how you want to go ahead with any of this sort of stuff. Yeah, or get excited about a problem that either doesn't exist or you've blown it up to be bigger than what it actually is. Yeah. So we had you know, a good example of a way to word that with one of the early podcasts. He said, everyone has a toothpaste tube and you can never get the last bit of toothpaste out of the tube. Oh, yeah. Someone can solve that problem, but is it worth solving? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just go buy another tube. Exactly. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> So we've got to hit a problem someone cares exactly. about. So, um, and in terms of the LinkedIn market, it's it's massive, right? It's becoming a, it's a huge space. It's grown significantly over the past four or five years. And it's getting bigger and bigger, and it's seen as the professional place for people to be. Um, let's dig in a little bit on that because I'd love to understand your take on some of the strategies and thinking people should be doing to action on LinkedIn and start thinking about how they're seen as an influencer in the space. Um, it is it is an area that's important to one, the business, to the founders and how you communicate. So a product like Jayla could actually assist. That's great. And I think there's a lot of value in that. 
But there's a strategy piece, right? Um, doesn't matter what the product can only do is what it can do. If your strategy is wrong or your messaging's not going to hit the mark, um, that's where the nothing, no going to be no value added at all from the products, right? I'm pretty sure your tips have influenced our strategy oh, okay. over the course <laughs> yes. of the past few years with all the videos we've seen. <laughs> a couple there. I'll send you guys an invoice later. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, so to tackle that, first of all, that's why we so. This online program we've actually incorporated to be within the software. So if you're, if, so it's not like, oh yeah, buy it for, and we used to sell that for 600 bucks, um, when we first started the, the business. So we've incorporated that to be included. But I think where most people, first of all, what, what you got to understand is that we're, we're living in the H2H economy, human to human. We buy into people, then we buy into companies, then we buy into products. So I think personal brand, your personal brand is never been as important. Um, and the first thing people, most people do, unless you're, I don't know, using, I use Google, right? For all my search engines, 2% of the market, right? You might use Bing, um, but. <laughs> Most people use Google and they type in your name before they sign on a dotted line. They type in your name when they get that cold email. They type in your name when, I don't know, they see you tagged in a post. And based on what they see, they make a, they create a perception about who you are and whether you're an expert in that domain. Based on that, they'll decide to listen to you or the 20 other people in your industry that are probably, you know, that, that are not offering the same thing because everyone's sort of different. But so I think. Uh, that's what I would focus on first. And then second step is getting clear on your outcome. Most people who go on LinkedIn don't really know why they're on there. So what we encourage within our methodology is get clear on your outcome. Okay, I want to uh, generate leads. Cool. What's your quota this quarter? Uh, how much do you need to generate this quarter? 250 grand in sales. 250 grand. Where? What's the path of least resistance? Oh, if I connect with procurement managers in, uh, I don't know, manufacturing because the deal size and the conversion rates are the best. So people don't think about this stuff. So then you might go and connect with factory managers, but you haven't looked at the data of your conversions, then you waste all this time. So getting clear on your outcome and making sure that ties into the business objectives um, is really important. And then goes without saying, you obviously need to have a really good profile that connects with this audience that you're connecting with. Um, and then from there, you start connecting with them. So get your messaging right, create your safe search, which you need sales navigator to do, uh, premium option. Um, and then got to get into the mindset. It's about quality. It's not about sending, hi, I came across your profile through a mutual connection. Would be great to connect. It's great connection. It's That's like, what everyone sends. <laughs> Yeah. I love when you get the messages, hi, first oh, name, no. bracket, bracket. It's like, oh, that's classic. <laughs> you I haven't those? got one of those before. Think, that's, bad. that's bad. Have you got one of those before? Oh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those pop into the inbox. Yeah. Or <laughs> the wrong name. I've even yeah. seen something out like that. I forget to yeah. change my template or and tweak it. And you know why? Most often they're actually – so LinkedIn over the last six months, six or 12 months has gone through a major overhaul with their security. So – um, a lot of automation tools are being banned. They have, yeah. Um, we were a part of those yeah. a few years ago and we got flagged and thought, oh, shit. 
Ah, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, stop, stopped using them just in case. And what did they say? Did they ban your account? No, it was a warning. Okay. And they told us to stop, so we just thought, all right, let's otherwise two years worth of marketing efforts just wasted if we get rid of all yeah, the content. Yeah, so it was a bit of more of a fear, like I can't lose the content. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, like, so why have they gone through a major uh, overhaul? One, you know, spam rates were going high. That's mainly because people were just creating a template, sending it off to, you know, 50 to 100 people a, a, a day. Now what's happened is they've restricted it to be 16 to 20 invites a day. So what is that? That And then they've actually said, now what can happen? You guys were lucky. Now, if they find out you're doing it, like we had one client when we were running the managed services, um, came to us and said, I can't actually get my account back. Oh, gone completely. Passport, sending your driver's license, and then it goes, you know, when you're working with these big media giants, you're waiting months to get it back. So mm, you might as well yeah, just start no another rush profile. To get it back. Yeah, right. brilliant. Yeah. You don't want to be in that position. We no. were lucky then. Very lucky. So I guess the reason why I was bringing all that up, it's, be, it's more, nowadays it's more important than ever before to be about quality. Look at the guy's profile, spend five to 10, uh, send five to 10 invites instead of 20 and look at his profile and formulate a connection based on that. Because if you do that, you're actually going to get better results. And then two, your network's going to be comprised of people who've interacted with you more. Um, and you're, yeah, that it will just show in the results. It's simple as that. It makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense because even when I get, I get a thousand cold emails. Um, but the ones that actually catch my attention are the ones that say something that we say. Or I was listening to your podcast with X, really love this, this, and this. All of a sudden, I'm actually paying attention because they've actually tailored it to me, and I feel like I owe them something to read their email because they've actually spent time. So I think that is a great strategy, and it's then using that a little bit because it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but it takes more time, but it's more it's it's more quality then. Yeah, the it's better it. than the we're in the similar industry, but we can outsource your work oh, for geez. you. Yeah, yeah. It's about context, right? So like. We've got a cold email outreach going, uh, like campaign now. We're targeting IT companies in Melbourne. Uh, so, you know, weaving stuff in like that helps. You're targeting us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're targeting you you us. might have received an email. I think, I think you reported me as spam, actually. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think context is important. I think, uh, and that's what you got to do with your messaging. Otherwise, you don't cut through. You just become another number. Just more noise. Yeah. Correct. I mean, just just yourself, Alex. What drives you? You've been eight years in. Um, looks like you're always evolving business, uh, looking at how you can tweak, scale. You mentioned a couple of times. What drives you today uh, for the next five, ten years? What's the plan? What drives you? So there's two there's two elements here. One my ultimate legacy of what I want to achieve is to build houses, community houses where I'm passionate about teenagers um, and entrepreneurship. So I want to take teenagers who are 12 to 18 off the streets, give them a roof over their head. We'll have an in-house chef. They'll get proper, you know, nutrition food, um, get successful entrepreneurs to come and teach this curriculum to then formulate an idea that these um, kids want to um, finally go out and launch. But then what I want to do at the end of that curriculum, I want to pair them with an actual business that's doing what they want to do with the view that they can either 
stay in that business, work their way up or launch their own thing thereafter. So at a, at the core level, that's what drives me. Um, what drives me at a surface level is wanting to transform an industry before I'm, uh, before I've left it. So I think, so with Linkfluencer, we try to do that with managed services, couldn't scale. Um, now with Jayla, what I'm really looking to achieve is to standardize the way that people network and build relationships at a mass level. Okay. I love your, um, the big picture. Um, have you made any inroads there? Because I know you do some advisory and the startup space and investing as well. So have, have you made any inroads in that? Or is that with, still with a the vision? kids? Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I'm a mentor of a, a foundation called Club Kidpreneur. Um, so we teach eight to 12 year olds how to start their own business. Um, a lot better to advise you know, kids than adults, I can tell you. Because they yeah, listen. They listen, yeah. Yeah, they will. And they'll try anything, right? <laughs> yeah, they have no fear. Um, you tell them to jump off a bridge and someone will buy your product. Or ju- Not that you would ever advise a kid, just in case there's any parents listening. Um, but, yeah, I think – so I do that. But I think – and, look, this you – know, everyone's got a different view. My view is that when I get up, when I launch that community house, I want to have – major runs on the board. I think I've got runs on the board and most people look at me and go, oh, you've been pretty successful. But for me, I want to launch a couple of 10-figure, 11-figure businesses and then use that as a platform to um, to teach kids that anything's possible. Because if I'm telling you, you can build a $100 million business. You have to have done it before. Yeah. I, That's I, the reality, I look, yeah. Yeah. And I can't even – like I had a company wanting to pay me very large sum of money it was a $50 million company that wanted me to advise. I, I refused to do it because I, like, I don't know what happens at, at, at 50, 50 million. million. Yeah. If you're not, you're not at the scale, you can't advise. That's, that's the reality. Um, you can maybe advise in a specific area, but not from a operational business, big picture, but it's, yeah. That's, How do we go from 50 world. to 200 mil? I don't know. You tell yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> yeah, numbers are like, very different at that level. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, you talking about like making sense or seconds changes makes a huge difference to anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and, I, and, and the more revenue, the more you have to evolve, change. Your, oh, that's a good question for you. In terms of your role in the business, how has that evolved over time? Because I've seen as your business changes, you need to change the way you are, the way you think. How have you framed that in your world? I've seen a bit of that content coming through on LinkedIn. Um, so where does that sit for you? Uh, initially, I was very hands-on. Uh, over time, I've learned just maturity. I've learned delegation and trust. Um, but I don't give complete trust. I think that's somewhat foolish because I, what this essentially this is what I do. Someone comes in, I say, okay, you look after customer service. Every now and then I go and have a little sneak peek at what's happening in customer service. And if I see things that in order, then my trust level goes from a hundred to like 80. Then I want to see those stuff get fixed to get to back up to a hundred. So just got to trust, delegate. Um, what's my strengths? I love, you know, doing things like this. I like speaking. Um, I'm great with creating partnerships. What do I suck in? Follow through. I can do it. I, 
I've been a general manager of this business for the last five you, you years. You sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, Anthony, are you the? Are you the sort of? Do you keep things in check? Is the detail I'm the tech guy keeps everything in check? Structure. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the guy that thinks out in the clouds a little bit and says, "Anthony, how are we going to do this?" Yeah. So, <laughs> we've got yeah, but, nice two pronged approach on our end. Yeah, it's yeah, good. It works well. It's good to have that mix. Um, so, like, I can do it. I don't enjoy it, but. If it has to get done, I don't care. I'll sacrifice and make it happen. But so I think that would, uh, yeah, just trust, delegate, stick to your strengths. Um, try to delegate your weaknesses out as much as possible. Um, and then that's really how you're going to grow as a person, but also as a company. Yeah. Oh, you need to grow as a person to grow as a company. That's what I've noticed over time. You have to grow your thinking, your vision, your expectations, your impact you want to make. Um, and, it, and that evolves with the business as you grow and you see more and what, what the biggest challenges are in the industry. And I think, yeah, you're on a road to solving bigger problems. Jayla, if anyone wants to access it, to have a play around with it, get to understand it, uh, it's just on uh, com. I believe it is. Yeah, so they can just get access from there. We'll share it out in the show notes. Um, Alex, it's been a pleasure just having a casual chat <laughs> about building tech and business and startups. And, yeah, really enjoyed your time on the show today. Um, and thanks for joining us. Promise me one thing. You, you won't report yes. us as spam again. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll let everything through. <laughs> uh, <with laughs> thanks, mate. Appreciate right, it. Thanks, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.